Welcome back. Kevin, you and I took a little hiatus. We didn't actually take a hiatus. We didn't want to take a hiatus, but a massive winter storm forced us to take a hiatus. And we actually ended up publishing one of our banked episodes. And we're going to let you guys in a little bit behind the curtain uh, a little bit later. Of We'd already pre-recorded a, a few episodes and we kind of held them back to use in just those circumstances. And uh, we were able to cover that. And actually, people, I think, really enjoyed it. It was the top five all-time Longhorn running backs, and of course, always fun to debate. And uh, you and I, I think, had a good podcast. We were able to do it in person, and uh, it was nice. We we've, we have a basically well over a year of never really missing a week of this podcast. So uh, I feel I feel proud of our accomplishment. Yeah, and I think I undersold what I was going to do because remember I told you I was like, all right, I we you know we've got BK and uh, and Joe. But their podcast has taken off, and they're doing well. And I said, I, you know, I'll just see with my schedule if I can get it done. And you're a busy guy, too, and, and you, I think you kind of thought the same. But you were like, no, let's try and get it done every week. And I've enjoyed it so much that I've made sure to carve out time, even when I'm exhausted and I'm on three hours of sleep like you are right now. Uh, I'm not today, but I know those days. And if there's if it's something you love, you'll do it. And we've had just a blast doing this, and thanks for – the response, the reviews, really the support. Yep, absolutely. We've uh, we formed a little EGAT family. It's been fun. And we've got a new addition to our family. Really? And that new addition to our family is a member of my actual family. Whoa. That, is, is that incestual? No, it's okay. Yeah, I, I got it. No, no, Kevin. No. Okay. Uh, well, just the wording my- of that, if you just clip that alone. The addition to our informal family (laughs) is a member of my formal family. That's awesome. Is that better for you? Yes, yes. Well, it's my sister, Laura Baker. And if you guys remember a few episodes back, we made a call out to realtors. If you're a residential realtor living in Austin, Houston, or Dallas, we wanted to hear from you because we have a a phenomenal listening audience, and we thought there's a great opportunity to match them up with great professionals and if like we already have with David McClellan of course Gabe Winslow and so we did a call out to realtors we heard back from some folks and my sister said hey I'm interested and you're kidding uh, me we were interested too that's awesome she's really good yeah she's really good at what she does she has been a real estate broker since 2007 she's part of the Andy Allen real estate team that's been as ranked as high as number 15 in the nation by the Wall Street Journal. She grew up in Austin. She's a diehard Longhorn fan, just like you or me. Uh, she has a bachelor's and master's from UT. And for the record, she never was in on Tom Herman. So maybe she has Ooh. some insights, hmm. not only into real estate, but into <laughs> football that we should pay heed to. That but, is, uh, uh, she is. No, that, that's fantastic. You had, you had told me a little bit about that and said, hey, I'm going to talk to her. But I just figured when you told me that we got her that you had to twist you know, her arm. But the fact that she kind of reached out and was like, no, this would be great. Um, this is exciting. Well, I think she saw the opportunity, and I think she knows that our listeners are a pretty sharp bunch. So okay. if you can match up our listeners with a great professional, uh, services professional, it's always win-win on both sides, which is it has already been. So Laura um, – is also an awesome sister and a great person and someone that I think our listeners will really enjoy working with. So if you're in Austin or you're in the central Texas region, whether that's Canyon Lakes, North San Antonio, all the way up to 
I don't know, Temple. Mm, my sister may re- <laughs> my sister may regret me <laughs> saying that. Uh, anyway, if you're in Centex uh, and even a little bit, bit uh, below, you got to give her a call. She's at 512-784-0505. That's 512-784-0505. And I'll give you just one quick example of how she can help you. Because it, it, it can be kind of a commoditized service, but if you could find a real estate agent who works really hard and knows the market cold, which my sister does, here's a great example of how she was able to help out someone. She had a client who was a single lady from Houston. Her kids lived in Austin, so she wanted to buy a second home in Austin. Uh, her price range is about $1.5 million, and she had very specific criteria, pool, view, acreage, well-appointed, you know, ex- exact layouts. My sister was able to find her an off-market listing. Nice. So rather That's than huge. compete with hundreds of buyers, which is no joke, right. literally what's, yep. what's happening right now, uh, she was able to get this woman in her house of her dreams within weeks, no uh, worry about getting outbid, anything like that. It's basically insider information, and it's the kind of thing that you, she can do for her clients in any economic range. It's not just reserved for the folks who are high net worth. So if you're interested in working with a great real estate professional, it's the newest member of our family, already a member of my family, Laura Baker, part of the Andy Allen team at Keller Williams. Give her a call, 512-784-0505. I'm really excited about this. I mean, you had told me that, that, that this was going to be happening, but uh, just kind of hearing more about her, that's going to be huge, especially with the competitive market that we have here in Austin and people that aren't oh in Austin. They, no, I mean, they just don't get it. Paul, a, a dump, I mean, that, that, it, that has cockroaches all over it. It's an obvious teardown. We'll get multiple bids. I mean, once it goes to the MLS, if you can get off-market stuff and if you've got someone who's really well-connected, that's how you can actually get, especially if, if like, that client, they've got specifics and there's some finishing touches that need to be there. Like I said, just to get a lot of land here uh, that is a dump, you're going to have a lot of bids and in areas that we never would have guessed. And some of the houses I used to see around here in Lost Creek that I used to go in, these were built in the 70s and and really need to be torn down, but it doesn't matter what they're going for. It's crazy. So welcome to the family, Laura. It's great to have another Wadlington member because I know she's going to have your skill set, which is you're incredibly intelligent, you're a hard worker, but she, I'm guessing, is going to add some emotional balance, which, you know. Yeah, she's, she's be- much nicer than I am, <laughs> much more patient and uh, a much better explainer and much more patient with people. Uh, but, yeah, she's great. And, of course, the added benefit is you get to, you know, grill her about uh, when she used to put makeup on me when I was a little boy. And, oh. uh, other stuff like that. So there's all sorts of potential blackmail, blackmail material at hand here in addition to working with an awesome realtor. So tell her that we sent you. I think you're going to be very happy with the results as everyone has been with our other advertisers. Yes. So, Kevin, what do we want to talk about? We've just emerged from planet Hoth. Uh, we had people <laughs> in Austin and, and Houston and Dallas cutting open their tauntauns and climbing in them like Han Solo like, obviously, I was trying to keep in touch with my family, but if, if they didn't have a good cell phone charger, uh, you know, I, I lost touch briefly for a period of time with my father in Austin. And I'm just curious, like, tell me what it was like, like what went down. So you're from here. 
and you know from there yeah that you know um kind of how we deal with winter weather and i i don't i'm not sure you've lived but i know you've been to climates that that have much more uh of serious weather uh winter weather and hold on here there we go sorry i got some headphone problems so you know that austin just we're not we're not ready for it and there can certainly be an argument that that we need to winterize some stuff, and but in terms of just us individually, we're not ready for it. And so when it hit, I think people knew it was coming, but people were already, you know what they're doing, clearing out stores, and that was happening the week before when people knew that a Yankee was blowing in, right? And we yep. knew it was going to be really bad. If you go back to, do you remember 84 when it snowed? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and that snow actually stuck to the ground. The biggest thing. So when I was a kid, I was, I always wanted to play snow football and I would see kids playing snow football. I mean, it it almost ripped my heart out Christmas story whenever there, you know, there's just that snow on the ground and I'm thinking, Oh my God, how much fun would that be? But my dad grew up in Chicago and he always would said, even when we get that type of snow, which was very rarely, he said, it's just not going to stick. It's going to disappear because the ground hadn't been cold enough. So that was already by Saturday or Sunday, I think Sunday, the longest the ground had been frozen in my lifetime. So add all that into it when when that thing really came down on Sunday. And obviously the biggest thing is the, the power goes out and the electric goes out. And then at that point, people are really scrambling. So mine went out Sunday at 1 a.m. or 12.30 or 12.30 or 1.00. And I was on a text chain and Bucky actually told me, Bucky said, you know, they're doing um, random blackouts, rolling, you know, rolling blackouts, which I had a couple in New York and it should be back on in an hour. And so woke up and I was freezing in the morning. And so my place had already dipped down. I mean, it's amazing how quickly these places some, I mean, mine's pretty well insulated also on the second floor. So some of the stories I've heard, it, it got down into the 40s and 30s really quickly. So even by Monday, it, it was starting to really freeze in there. And at that point, you're just in scramble mode. So I was calling for my mom and Taylor, my aunt and Hutto, got an aunt and Bastrop. I mean, you know, you know the way it is. I've got, you're from here. You just got family members that are spread out. And as Austin has grown, they usually get to the outskirts to get to more to what Austin was like, I guess, in 1960. Um, but so I was worried about them, but I also was having to deal with my own place and ended up leaving Monday night. Um, you know, it, it was, I definitely could have stayed another night, but I realized this stuff's not coming back on. And what I was worried about at that point is that it's going to become even more undrivable tomorrow and the day after that. So I probably waited too long, but took off, and it, it was – I've driven on ice in Austin multiple times and other places, and you have to understand when driving on ice that you really can't drive on ice. So it's almost like a, like a rail that you have to get in between, and, and you just scoot your way and skid your way until you can actually get some traction. So with all that said, there were people – once I got to Lamar – and tried to think of the flattest route and the closest place for me by far. I had a couple friends out south and a couple up north that were like, hey, come stay with us. We have power. But a majority of my friends didn't even at that point. But my dad did, who I consider one of my best friends. And 
he's close to me off Lake Austin Boulevard. So I had to think of the from Hyde Park to Lake Austin Boulevard, the flattest route where I especially didn't have to go uphill. And I took that, took Guad all the way to 24th and cut over, which I should have done. I should have taken that all the way to 6th Street, which I ended up doing the next couple of days. And so I took a right to get to Lamar, and Lamar was crazy. There were three cars on each side in ditches. There was a car stuck. They're all trying to get uphill, stuck um, in the middle, uh, in the median, with a cop car with his lights on in front of it. I'll give the cops, fire trucks, EMS. I was out all three or four of those days and driving, and they were out. They were they were being first responders. I'm going to get in to really how heartwarming and inspiring a lot of what I saw was, and we'll get into that. But in terms of that night, that that was probably the toughest night to drive. I was thinking it was going to get tougher, but you had slush and ice. You couldn't really see the black ice, and there were a lot of people stranded. But I also saw a lot of people pulling over saying, hey, do you need, do you need a lift? Do you need to get somewhere? Um, is someone coming to get you? So people were taking care of each other. And, that you know, Austin's changed a lot since we were kids, but that was cool to see. And and that, that kind of brings back some faith that I have in, in the local community, which I still have, but I mean more kind of how big Austin is, has become. And when you get a big city, you just don't necessarily keep that. But I got to my dad's on Monday, and uh, I will let you talk here because I feel like I've just been f- uh, talking way too much. But it's a it's a crazy story um and if you grew up down here you knew it was gonna hit you just didn't realize it was gonna paralyze the city and obviously the electric grid like it did yeah well what's so crazy so my dad is up in cat mountain okay which was hit hard by the outages by everything their their water went off the outages the electric electrical outages and i guess there was a line somewhere in northwest hills where i think if you were on one side of the line, you were pretty lucky. Your water never really went out, and you, you, you only had sporadic outages of, of power. But if you're on the other side of the line, you got, you got hit pretty hard. And I'm not sure what determined it. But also the issue of Cat Mountain is in the name, which is everybody knows in Austin that it's, it's all on slopes, right? And, and there's a lot of cats, of too, so you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, apparently a lot of cats running around. You're a fan, but... Uh, <laughs> It's, um, I mean, you just can't, you couldn't get to him. I mean, he's up at the top yeah. of a street that's just a straight incline to go up it. And in this kind of weather, particularly in Austin, it's just, it's not happening. And so my dad, who's in his early 80s, and he's, he's tough, he doesn't complain, but he had no power, no water. And it was in, in the high 30s inside of his house. Mm. So he put on all, all of his clothes and, you know, basically decided, you know, he was just going to bundle up and wait it out. And that's what he did. Um, and, you know, he's the kind of guy that'll go get a, you know, triple bypass heart surgery and then tell me after the fact, because oh, he didn't want to concern me. Like <laughs> he's that guy. Um, so I was concerned about him cause I couldn't reach him cause he my, primarily is a landline guy. And of course his phone went out and his cell phone, he has like a little burner cell phone for emergencies, <laughs> but it wasn't, charged or you know so i couldn't get a hold of him and obviously i couldn't email him and then my mom on the other hand <laughs> i think she was a more typical austinite in that uh my mom is also a unique and uh, fun personality but she lives in, in northwest hills proper not far from doss elementary if you guys are familiar with austin and 
the hard streets of Northwest Hills where I grew up. And she was told by my sister and brother-in-law, like, hey, it looks like this is going to be a real storm. This is legit. Uh, You need to go hit the store before everybody. We're going to come to you. And here's what you need to do. Get batteries, get water, get some good non-perishable food. And whatever happens, happens. We'll all be together. We'll wait it out. We'll be good. And by the way, my mom has a working old school fireplace, right? She doesn't have the gas fireplace. Everybody has now. Well, my mom goes, okay, no problem. So she jumps in her Toyota Camry and heads down to the equivalent of 7-Eleven and gets a few bottled waters, like some Dasani's, right? A few Fiji waters. Uh, she buys a pie, a, a, whole, a pie, <laughs> and, then, and buys a bunch of pudding. Wow. It's funny how she took that instruction. <laughs> and then my sister arrived. Uh, you know, the, the town is going to hell. Are you kidding? Like, she didn't, and, she didn't go to Randall's or H-E-B and actually go get some of that stuff? No. If she if she did, she went. I think that's where she picked up like the pudding. So anyway, my sister arrives. Thankfully, my brother-in-law is a good guy and he's got a truck. She's like, go. And so he goes and gets pallets of water. He goes and gets some other food. But she bought a pie and some pudding and like some random Fiji waters. That was her prep. No batteries. That's fantastic. Didn't test out any of her lamps. And she we used to have a big firewood pile. Uh, in the side of our yard for the fireplace. I know because I was the guy that used to cut the trees and then break it into firewood and stack it. Uh, That's all gone. She didn't want it anymore because there was like wasps nesting in it. And so she didn't buy any wood or or get any of that, you know, the the Dura logs they sell at the grocery stores, right? So that was her preparation level. So without my sister and and brother-in-law coming over there, she would have been up, up the creek a little bit. But uh, fortunately, they all made it work out. They waited it out. They had fun. You know, they they played a bunch of cards and, yeah. and talked and read books and did things families used to do before everyone zoned out and, and put their earphones in or watched TV. But yeah, that was my family's experience. They were incredibly lucky. I mean, just they didn't they didn't have any uh, real damage. I have a rental house in Austin. Uh, I you know it's, talked to my tenant about what he needed to do. Amusingly, I had a he had a little bit of a leak that was unrelated to this. Uh, just a, a minor leak in the in the kitchen, and right after all this went happened and Austin started to recover, uh, he he sends me an email. And he's like, uh, "Do you think you can get a plumber out tomorrow to deal with this leak in the kitchen?" Oh no! And I was like, "I, I don't think I can get a plumber out to you till May." Yeah. <laughs> like, good luck with that. Oh God! But everything's okay there. Yeah, I mean that that was the biggest worry. Um, you know, so Monday, Monday was, was really tough sledding Tuesday. I went back to go check on my place and maybe it's cause of the route I took and it was a lot flatter. It, it wasn't as bad it, driving, but I'm also driving on major roads. And then Wednesday got better. I didn't go back to my place and, or I, I didn't, I didn't go to my place on Wednesday, drove around and just tried to, to get some stuff. But then on Thursday, went back there, and I guess the power had come back on Wednesday night. So I think that seems to be like Sunday night late to Monday or to Wednesday seems to be most most people. Was that was that the case with with both your parents? 
Yeah, I think so. And of course, the temperatures in typical Texas fashion went from eight degrees to 80 degrees in what, three days? Yeah. Right, right after. And oh, it was beautiful. I think Thursday or Friday was was pretty. Uh, Friday was really nice. Yeah, I mean, it was it was, a, it was a classic polar vortex that they, you know, the kind they can get in Denver where it'll dump snow for three days and then it's 62 degrees and bright and sunny and people are skiing in, you know, short sleeve shirts and, you know, girls are wearing bikinis skiing. Um, but it's just one of those things. And, you know, it's, I, I did kind of research it just out of interest. I mean, it's not totally unprecedented. You know, this, these things have happened before. Yeah. But they happen so infrequently and it's spaced out generationally, right? It's kind of almost 20, every 20 to 30 years. And so you sort of just forget, I mean, that's enough time for everything to cycle through. And, you know, it's kind of one of those things like in medicine, they'll tell doctors when you hear, when you hear hooves, think horses, not zebras, right? Don't, yeah. when you, when someone comes in with certain symptoms, don't immediately think that they have leprosy. It's probably more likely they have a cold, right? right? Or, or eczema or whatever, right? So I, I think it's kind of like that with severe weather in Texas. And we're just not prepared for it, no. you know? And, and obviously they're going to do a big examination of the grid and all that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't really want to get into it. I'm, I was just more interested in like what the experience was like. And I know a lot of people were not so lucky as us. And, um, you know... I've, I've had friends communicate that they had big leaks and the stuff's basically their homes are ruined and they were not able to get to the cutoffs, you know, to cut off water in time and heart goes out to you. But ultimately if, if everyone's alive, that's the main thing, you know, property can be replaced. And, you know, I know there's people that have lost things of sentimental value and um, you know, but if you, if you got out of this healthy and, and living it's it's a good thing because I know there was a handful of people that you know didn't escape with their lives, so that's a real shame. Yeah, it's a real shame. It can never happen again. So whatever balls need to be busted, whatever heads need to roll, um, either side, whatever side, like anything, I don't care. Uh, you know, accountability needs to happen. So uh, and they got to look at ERCOT and and there's a lot of stuff, but um, that they need to figure. Well, out. I also think, but, I but mean, it can't happen again, is, Paul, because people did die, pets died. Yeah. And, you know, it, it just can't happen in Texas. Honestly, well, and, it can't happen I, anywhere in America. <laughs> well, I, I agree. And, and look, I mean, I, I also, there is force majeure in this world. There are acts of God, right? Right. And government cannot shield you from everything that can happen on, to you on the planet. It's just, this is not how the world works. But by the same token, I don't think we were up for the challenge. And that's a shame. Uh, but I, I am really heartened to hear what you said about the community spirit and people looking out for each other because I was really proud of Houstonians when that hurricane hit and just devastated Houston. And the contrast between how Houstonians handled a lot of that and some of what happened in New York with their storms, you know, that, that big hurricane Sandy. I mean, they're, basically every Houstonian with a truck got in their truck. And, you know, if you had good tires and jacked up truck – and they just drove around and helped people. Yeah. And that's a sort of Texas can-do spirit that makes the state still kind of a special place. Yeah. And I, and I hope Texas can preserve it. I do, too. And and Austin would be uh, that spot where maybe, it, you know, we love it for this reason, too, but it may turn too much un-Texas or lose that type of nature. And I, I can report right now, it certainly didn't with the storm because— 
essentially what you just said is what happened. There were people with, with automatic 4x4. Now, ice is different, but once you got on that snow and that snow came down, then you actually could get a little bit of traction. And there were people, you know, our text line at the radio station, I'm proud of the radio station and the radio show. I mean, our our, our power was out here until Wednesday, and it messed up this board that I'm on right now. So shout out to Dave Williams, who had to get parts and and pretty much was doing anything he could to keep a bunch of different radio stations, which is what Austin Radio Network is, on the air. But we had a text line, and we had it for the show, which we were on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and doing it from Zoom from our places, that if you if you can help out at all. And then I, I offered, uh, Ra, or BK offered, um, and, and all three of us were like, hey, if you got something, DM us, and we'll try and help you out. And that was by Thursday when I was back in, in Hyde Park, and my power was on, the electricity was on. And honestly, the people that were chipping in, and and the the text that we got, hey, I got a truck. If uh, I can go to the store, does someone need something? There was an 85 year old guy who we're not really sure. He's texted the station before, obviously, but we thought he was texting someone else. And he just said, "I'm 85. I'm freezing. I need water." I and so we ended up linking up and getting his address and getting people over there, listeners that were just going to help out. Uh, I saw it. At my when I was at my dad's place and we were having his water went out Tuesday morning and was out really till Saturday. So that's kind of one of the issues because they had a bunch of pipes that burst in this huge complex. And so we're getting toilet water from the pool and there are, you know, some older people there. And so this younger guy was clearing ice, which was just covering the walkway all the way up from the parking lot to the pool and was clearing it and just would kind of do another stuff. And I said, Hey man, thanks. Do you work here? He said, no, I just live here. I'm just trying to help out walk into the store because we had to walk to a seven 11 to, to actually try and get anything they had for water and food. Uh, an old woman is trying to get up. This is off Lake Austin Boulevard is trying to get up uh, a pretty steep hill and starts to slip. And then is about to fall on her back and two guys, are kind of behind her went skating up as much as they could and grabbed her and then got her up the hill. And I thought those guys didn't have to do that. I mean, I'm telling you, I saw, I saw a bunch of those acts and over the week that was inspiring and definitely reinvigorates my love for Austin. That's awesome. That's really encouraging to hear. And, uh, that's awesome, man. That's really good. I'm, I'm, it gives me some, some optimism for the future. And, uh, I got to say that your offer to go stay at the Tridel and the Cayo house. I'm trying to help out. Storm, I'm trying to help that out. Was, that was so kind of you that you'd go it, and you offered to stay in each individual room and do any chores that came up. And I just, you're all heart, man. Right. Well, and a lot like the vaccine, I really wanted to, I started with the people that needed it most. So I, I said, <laughs> I said, the less you weigh, you need body warmth right now. So I'll start with you and I'll work my way down the list. So, I mean, I even had some thought into it as well. And heart. Yeah. And, and then heart. like, oh, yeah, well, that's great. Our, our 75-year-old house mother is 90 pounds. Start with her. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what? Do I have a bad line? Oh, the yeah. I'm breaking up myself. I don't know what's going on. Hello? Hello? I don't uh, know. Well, I'm just going to call the uh, Kappa house. 
You guys take care. Obviously, y'all don't study science. Older people heat up quicker. <laughs> yeah, just, just go put her out in the in the sun in a blanket. She'll warm up. Oh man. Hey, can well, I? Hey, can, can, can I? Can if, I? Can I uh, go ahead. Oh, please go ahead. One quick story, just a sign. You always hear about these signs, right? Especially with tsunamis, like predators and preys will be walking up a hill thirty minutes before, and and people will look and say that makes no sense at all, right? Um, and it's not that drastic. But Friday night, before any of this stuff came down, it was just getting really, really cold. Uh, I had a raccoon near my place that was all balled up. It's actually in front of a maintenance store, which is one of the many reasons why I love my place, is that I've just got a lot of room up there. And this is the biggest raccoon I've ever seen in my life. And he was all balled up for hours up there and was just trying to get warm. And And at first I thought, okay, it's not that cold yet. But he almost knew what was coming and was trying to prep to get about three or four hours of good warm-up time, which he did. Then he got on his back like a fat cat and tried to clean his junk and uh, with the legs straightened out. It was actually it was pretty interesting observing him. He ended up coming back, so he did make it through. But that, that was kind of my sign that I didn't really know was the sign of how bad this storm was going to be. Yeah, animals have a crazy sixth sense. You want to hear a little raccoon trivia? Uh, Calvin Coolidge. <laughs> no. Is that it? Because Cal- Calvin, well, Calvin it, Coolidge had a, uh, he had a raccoon, Rebecca, at, uh, when he yeah, was, yeah. Yeah, did. Uh, and in fact, <clears throat> when I was a kid, we had like kind of a handyman who would do stuff at our house and he had a pet raccoon named Rocky who was super friendly. Really bright. Yeah. Very bright. And they'll destroy your house yeah. completely. Yeah. Just leave them alone for two minutes undetended at night because they are nocturnal. But no, the raccoon trivia is in Belgium. So we never think of it this way, but so to us, a raccoon is just sort of a normal animal, nothing that interesting, right? right? But uh, I did a bunch of hiking in Peru not so long ago and did a bunch of stuff, and I hooked up with this group of Belgians. And all the girls, it just somehow came up about a raccoon or something. And all the girls like, oh, my God, a raccoon. Oh, tell me about raccoons. And like to them, I mean, like raccoons are in zoos in Belgium, right? Okay. They, they think raccoons are the most fascinating, interesting animal in the world. Do you know what the translation of what raccoon means in, I guess they were Flemish. Do you know what it, the, it means? Uh, I don't. And maybe tree climber. I have no idea. It's actually kind of cute. Washing bear. Okay, yeah. Cool, cause, cause, so, so I did some research on them, and they do come really come from that from that family but the way they've evolved and you look at fossils they were all over really all over the world for a pretty long time but they've adapted and evolved and it's pretty crazy cuz you can kind of see the bear thing but really it reminded me a lot of 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 TJ like a bigger cat we made eye contact for probably 3 or 4 hours and they're uh they're pretty fascinating i mean it made me once I got power back, really dig dig a little deeper into raccoons, and then I got on I got in, got into a raccoon hole, then a possum hole. Ah, yeah. yeah. Well, so raccoons, the whole washing bear thing, of course, is because they they're fastidious. They like to go wash their prey, like like they like to wash stuff in water before they eat it, uh, and that includes the garbage they take out of your garbage cans. Yeah. But uh, another crazy thing about them is if you talk to old hunters and like people who, especially in the South, because coon hunting is like a thing, right? You use yep. your red bone coon hound and you set up after some coons and they, they holler back to you. 
Well, raccoons are, you know, no match for a full grown dog, but they're good swimmers and they're clever. And so they said what raccoons will do not only to avoid scent is they'll get in water and swim, but if the dog jumps in the water with them, they'll circle back and jump on the dog's head and try to drown them. Drown them. Yeah. Yep. No, I mean that, 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 that is, that, that's just not one story. Cause I mean, I, I knew that as a kid, my mom actually had pet raccoons and, uh, they, they're really good with their hands. You know, they're the pinky finger and the thumb are offset. And it's one of the reasons why they can climb up and climb dr- and, and climb down trees so well, yep. but they're really damn smart. They'll tire the dog out, then get out. They'll do this in a pool, then get out and be able to drown them. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we've, uh, hit all I, the important topics that people want to know about. Yeah. Winter storms or surgeons of Texas can do spirit raccoon facts. And, uh, <laughs> one thing I do want to remind you guys of is an existing member of the EGOT family. That is Gabe and his excellent mortgage team. You can reach him at 832-557-1095. And as always, you know the drill. If you mention this podcast, he's going to get $500 off a closing. So here's the deal. And, and I was talking to Gabe about this just this morning. Interest rates are very volatile right now, and not just volatile up, but also volatile down, and it's happening on a daily basis. Here's what Gabe's recommendation is. If you want to refi or if you're interested in an, a new existing home, which, of course, you're going to buy with uh, Laura Baker and, and if you're in Centex, if you are interested in doing that, go ahead, call Gabe, tell him what you're trying to do, and allow, look, fill out an application with him, and then allow him to play that volatility to your advantage. Because what's basically happening is interest rates and basis points are just fluctuating up and down. And if you can act, if you have an application on file with a, a, a mortgage guy that you trust, uh, which would be Gabe, he could actually pull the trigger when it's the most opportune for you. And, and when he does that, he can save you hundreds of dollars hmm. uh, every month, and he can save you thousands of dollars every year just because he had the flexibility of essentially putting in a limit order on a mortgage rate that you and he both agree is, is the trigger point. So that's my recommendation to you guys of, of how to deal with this volatility right now. Interest rates are going to be heading up, but they're going to be heading up in a, in a nonlinear fashion. So try to exploit that. Find a mortgage guy who's really sharp and, can, and you trust who can act within the limits that you give him and reach him at 832-557-1095. That's for refis. And of course, that's also if you're going to go buy a new home. That's my message. Hey, before we get to Texas football, um, one more thing. And I mentioned this on the show. Did you ever see the movie The Great Outdoors? With John Candy? John Candy and Dan Aykroyd in the 80s. Uh, I don't remember it. I mean, I remember the vehicle. Okay. I think uh, I get it confused with Uncle Buck. Yeah. No, I think it's better than Uncle Buck. Uh, some people may argue that Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck was good, but no, the, the, the raccoons in that 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 was like for a lot of us. We were laughing on the show. That was really the first time we actually knew raccoons were big garbage people. But what it did is it spawned the the restaurant scene where the old '96er, the equivalent. Uh, meal that you would get for free if you ate that huge steak that you get out in West Texas and John Candy having to having to eat that. I didn't know. I didn't know if I probably should have checked before if you were a fan of that or not. It definitely hit the text line and hit a certain age pretty hard. All right. Well, we've, we've hit raccoon facts pretty hard. And I know of meals. If, if you I, in Louisiana, the first time I ever had raccoon sausage, Ugh. it's freaking great. Yeah, I've, I've heard that. 
Yeah. And you're getting on me. You like to eat, you're getting on me you like for for wanting you like to, to eat. You don't like to eat cute animals, do you? Um, no. I mean, I I will because I've eaten rabbit. I yeah, I've eaten. I've definitely eaten. I've eaten venison. Um, no, it's not. It's not that. It's just more some of the stuff they carry. I think you'd have a better chance of not not getting something from a possum because of their body temperature. So you were getting on me after the whole Wuhan thing when all this stuff broke because I wanted to go out and go to all these places and eat crazy stuff, and you've eaten raccoons. So let's just make sure that's there for the record as we shift to <laughs> as we shift to Texas football. We're gonna we're we're gonna crank out another pod because we're glad to be back, glad that all this stuff is working later on in the week. So we will definitely hit the eyes and kind of let that that's not going anywhere. But we'll hit that, how that impacts stuff. But a lot of momentum for Sark right now. Um, and I guess the biggest question for me, I would understand if guys said, look, there's something in the water at Texas. I believe in Sark. I believe in Flood. I believe in Kwiatkowski. I believe in the guys that they're bringing in. But I just want to see it. I may even, may even take only three games this fall. But I just want to see it. There's a lot of faith right now from – good recruits from different classes and we're even seeing some some transfers that are coming in that are buying they're buying the hype right now yeah you're right so i I think everyone anticipated anytime you get a new staff you're gonna get some momentum they're gonna sell their new dream their vision and they can get some people excited about the the rebranding i gotta just think it's it's kind of what we talked about right when we hired sark which is that national championship was a, a three-hour infomercial for Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, no, it really was. And especially when you've got all these replays. And it's almost, it's almost as if it, it, it helped out more the marketing campaign that Jalen Waddell wasn't there and that he was having to do all those creative things with a guy who everyone knew on that field watching was the best player and the guy you had to stop. And... Not only was it a blowout and the offense looked great, it was how he did it. Yeah. Well, and, and so and the other crazy thing that happened is, so within that, then people could do that. Oh, man, Devontae, he's just special. It's all about Devontae. Anybody right. can do that. So Devontae conveniently gets injured, can't come back in the second half, and the offense still looks great. So it's like, yeah. I mean, it was, a, it was the most amazing sort of live ad that you could possibly have uh, for a head coach. And – Look, beyond the, the, the optics, you know, the word that people like to throw around, the optics, uh, Steve Sarkeesian is really adapted to what he's got to do, and he's hired a good staff, and they are getting after it. And I just think there's zero tolerance for any staff member right now who's not going to commit to recruiting, because that's, that's really what they need to be doing right now. There's not a lot else going on, and they should be 100% all in. And we're realizing that Jeff Banks and the pole assassin and the monkey and all that, like it's, it's being cast in a, in a sort of funny, favorable light. And we're also finding out that Jeff Banks is a, a freaking killer on the recruiting trail because yeah. they're putting him on guys that didn't even have Texas considered, you know, in their top five, much less top 10. And now suddenly is Texas is in their top three. And uh, he's targeting for the most part, the right people. And he's going out West and using his connections there to go cherry pick some opportunities because, you know, there's, I've often argued there is no greener grass than out in the West and in California, uh, obviously even Phoenix, you know, these little, the Western outposts like Las Vegas, Phoenix, Denver, 
you know, there's good football players there just because of pure demographics. And, and, and there's a vacuum, too, right now, a vacuum with great programs. A vacuum of any programs in right. some instances. I mean, Arizona and Arizona State, I was documenting this on Inside Texas, they haven't signed, and I didn't look any further than past 2019. 2019, they signed both programs together, signed zero of the top 10 guys in Arizona. 2020, zero. 2021, zero. Hmm. So far in 2022, zero. And at the end of 2022, it'll be zero. So it's, it's basically there for the taking, and not surprisingly, Texas is going after two defensive linemen in the Phoenix area. And these are all direct flights to Austin, Kevin. So yeah. not only do you have the demographic change in the Western outposts, but the demography is changing in Austin, right? It continues to grow. Every single one of these places has a direct flight to Austin. So I understand you can sell Clemson as a program to some guy living in Phoenix or, or L.A., but go try to fly to rural South Carolina and have your family see you at a game. You know, you're making effectively a business decision that's purely football when you go play for them and you live there. Yeah. So, you know, I think people are saying, look, if Texas can be- get back and play real football, I just think that this is going to snowball. And, and, you know, as we've seen many times, once you get Texas started and you kind of just get out of the way and you get things moving, the inertia of this program, it can work against you when it's, it's sitting still. But when it starts moving, it just crushes everything in its path. Yeah. It's well said. No, ch- ch- there's not many direct flights probably from Blacksburg. No. Yeah, not, I'm, yeah, I'm, I I'm guessing it's a regional airport. Yeah, probably a little bit of a regional airport. But, yeah, I mean, same thing with Tuscaloosa. I mean, I understand the sell of Alabama. It's quite obvious. But it's not the most convenient place to go play football if, if you're living in L.A. or Phoenix. Uh, but – Yeah, I think Texas has a story to tell. I think Sark has done a a good job of quickly adapting to the state. And for the most part, he seems to be targeting the right guys. And the staff is getting after it. And they're they're not accepting no as an answer. And I think that's a differentiation from some previous regimes where if a guy wrote them off early, they just sort of quit. But – Sarkeesian and his staff are not doing that. They're staying on, guys. It was the Me Too movement. And, uh, I think that's really playing to his benefit. It was the Me Too movement. I mean, you know, we, we heard no, and uh, th- th- this is obviously different where you want to you wanna at least tell them, hey, uh, we're still here and we're still going to be aggressive with it. So, uh, yeah, glad to see all that momentum and kind of what's going on with, with uh, Sark and all that, and hopefully – that will translate because once if they're already buying right now and we're seeing, I think more buy-in than Herman, even Herman got a little buy-in after that first year when he got that class that was loaded, but then didn't develop them. Once I start developing people and, and quicker than that, the evidence will be utilizing those guys and scheming them up. And if the offense really looks like what they're talking about, which is it didn't match what Herman was selling to a lot of these guys then I think, I think this is only going to continue. It's not hard to recruit at Texas. Yeah, that's exactly correct. And if you look at Sark's developmental history, particularly at the quarterback position, man, it's good. Yeah. And if you look at when he's been a quarterback's coach or the offensive coordinator or both, he has elevated the draft profile and draft stock of every guy he's had. 
And some of them, frankly, you know, he sold NFL teams a bill of goods, right? He made Mark Sanchez look like a legit star NFL quarterback yeah. at USC. And, you know, Matt Leinart, obviously people knew he had a weak arm. They knew he wasn't very athletic. But, boy, he created an offense built around the fact that he was pretty accurate and, and a quick decision maker. Um, you even saw him maximize guys like Cody Kessler, right? Cody Kessler has a zero arm. He's not athletic. He's not mobile, and he's small. But he's a quick decision maker. He's accurate. He's smart. And Sark had him putting up huge numbers at USC such that even though the NFL saw all of the lack of physical, tangible ability – He's still a third rounder, Kevin. Yeah, I know. And, and, and he should have been a six rounder if you're if you're honest about it. <laughs> or undrafted. Um, well, and, and and Mac Jones. I mean, yeah, you can point well, so, to so, so so Mac Jones is the one for me that because I'll even go to Atlanta and and the two backs where he did a pretty good job, which is why Texas continues to get running backs, and I think they can sell what Sark did at Atlanta and and going twenty one or or twenty and having two tailbacks out there. That more it's with Mac Jones with the quarterbacks. I mean, you're right. You're dead right about Kessler, um, and so even some of the other guys. Hell, Keith Price. But yeah. But I, I would say what Mac Jones. I just underrated him, but I think a lot of it is from talking to to someone familiar with that whole situation. Uh, very familiar is that he really just took the strengths and it gets back to Norm Chow principles, the the early Chow principles, and you can get online and look at them. And it's about protecting your quarterback and building on the strengths and hiding weaknesses. And, man, he did that. Now, he also had a five-star line and five-star almost everything else around that. So that's going to take some time here at Texas. That's true. But, you know, we also have, as you said, you mentioned Keith Price in Washington – not exactly a loaded supporting cast, and no. Keith Price himself was pretty talentless, and he turned him into, into a pretty effective college quarterback. Ironically, it's Jake Locker who ends up getting drafted as the number eight pick of the Tennessee Titans because they, this is the quote at the time, they thought he was a right-handed Steve Young. I uh, remember that. He was a mimbo. It just, oh, my God. It just goes to show you that anyone can be an NFL GM. And because if you watch Jake Locker play football, oh, my God. I mean, that guy was a great athlete and he was a big, strong, tough guy. And you could see why people liked him. But he had the feel uh, as a passer of a, of, of a Highlands game athlete. I mean, was, <laughs> yeah, that it was incredible to watch how like horrible he was as a passer. He had a real that's why I called him a mimbo if you've ever seen that Seinfeld. He's a male bimbo. Um where he I mean he had all the physical gifts. He was strong, he was fast, he had a he had a really strong arm, but he had no touch, no feel and man upstairs uh it, it there was no way he was going to be able to play at that next level. So, but Sark was able to to with all those different guys was able to to, to really work with them and to try and highlight those strengths. So I expect that to be the case with whoever it is, Casey Thompson, Hudson Card, but it is important to get off to that right foot because I do think, and understandably so, it's going to be used against them in recruiting and has been for the last 10 years, but will be early next year if they come out and, and really aren't moving the ball offensively. That, that'll be an issue. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and so what's interesting, too, is Sarkeesian has had a variety of quarterbacks, but he's never had any 
that were really athletically comparable to Hudson Card or Casey Thompson. Uh, and yeah, yeah. because Locker, Locker, funny enough, would be the closest one, probably. But not really, though, Kevin, because Locker was 235 pounds. Yeah, but Locker could run. I mean, b- before a couple of knee injuries, Locker could really run. Yeah, I mean, he could, but he, he's not the type of runner or the way that we're going to run a Casey Thompson fair, or a fair, Hudson Card, fair right? Point. Yeah, you're right. He was more of a Sam Ellinger type runner, but faster. You know, Locker was a legit four, five, four, six guy. Yeah. But uh, no, he, but you're right. You know, different, Walker different guy. This sort of, he was a robust big guy. Yeah. Right. Card is not that. Casey Thompson is not that. And it's interesting because it's you know Sarkeesian's going to have some mobility to play with, and he doesn't really have a big history of necessarily having super mobile quarterbacks. And you know, Mac Jones is effectively Matt Weiner redo. Right. right. Very similar. Very similar guys. Um, Jones is probably a little better, um, especially especially mentally. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's built up Mac Jones. They're not talking about Mac Jones, Kevin, as going in the top ten. I know. No, it's um, – and <laughs> I don't – That's a mistake, right? <laughs> yes, that, yes, that is a mistake. I think, I, think, I think he is – as you said, I think he covered up his weaknesses so beautifully that I don't think NFL teams are seeing, like, hey, this guy's highest possible upside would be Kirk Cousins maybe. Right. But his most likely middle would be somewhere behind Jared Goff. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, I think we had said on the podcast that we thought he was a backup. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, I may have to go delete that. No, I'm kidding. Um, to, <laughs> yeah. to, but no, but to where I, I still kind of believe that, but, uh, but he could be, you're right. I mean, it could be Kirk Cousins. But anywhere, I think his ceiling is being the 20th best starting quarterback in the league. That that would blow me away, and I'll give him a lot of love. I think the reality is he's probably, you know, where his career is, he's going to be 25 to 32. He'll get some chances, but he'll be a really solid and probably really good backup for a long time. So he's kind of Andy Dalton-ish is his upside. Yeah, but Kirk Cousins may be overselling it. Because and, when Kirk Cousins Andy Dalton's is on, a great he's comp. Actually, he's actually pretty good. Yeah. I like the Dalton comp. He's also and, – yeah. and, and Dalton's also a timing passer, so I like that parallel as well. The Red Rifle. Oh, man. Good old Andy. Um, all right, so so you had some stuff on Sark just as a as a quarterback coach. Um, it, it, you know, anything, anything in particular you want to get into on that? No, I mean, that, that's kind of it. I just okay. – I, I wrote this article on Inside Texas in mid-February, but – Basically, I just went through all of his stops and all of his quarterbacks and how he elevated their games for the most part. Uh, Locker was the only guy he couldn't save. And really, that's a function of Jake's built-in deficiencies. He just doesn't have a feel for the game, and that can't really be taught. But Carson Palmer, he, people forget, he turned Carson Palmer as a quarterback's coach. He went from Carson Palmer being this incredible bust. Yeah who had as many interceptions as touchdowns. I remember that. Into his senior season. I remember that. Uh, he turned him into the runaway Heisman Trophy winner and, you know, the NFL prototype number one draft pick, right? 6'5", 230, cannon arm, not very mobile, but, uh, you know, and then he followed that up with Matt Leinart. People at the time uh, were hyping John David Booty. I don't know if you guys remember that name. Oh, yeah. But he ended up becoming the starter at USC. And kind of like Jake Locker, what people didn't realize at that time, particularly in the, the mid-2000s, early 2000s, is 
how much spread offenses could create the hype of a quarterback. And so I think J.D. Booty was a creation of that Shreveport Evangel spread. And people assumed just because of his numbers that he was this world-breaking talent. And then you saw him at USC, and you realize, no, he's, he's not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sark did his best with him, but still ended up getting the guy drafted, which is kind of amazing. No, it is. It is. I'll have to go check that out because, uh, yeah, the, looking at really his path, it's been pretty impressive offensively. And, um, and yeah, I think if you're a quarterback, you're going to be in, in good hands. You know what? You're also in good hands if you go visit another member of our family. So glad to be growing and adding to it. But we've had David McClellan for a little while, fiduciary financial advisor from Forum Financial. Man. Now's a great time, because uh, especially with the pandemic and things just changing, you really need to go in and kind of see where you're at. And when I say where you're at, get that financial freedom number. David can help you understand that number and maybe some things you could be doing differently to build your wealth, achieve some financial freedom a little bit faster. He does specialize in financial life coaching, also retirement planning. The fiduciary part of that is very big. This guy was a national champion swimmer. And with regulations, there's only so much we can say, but we can definitely say you should give him a call. That consultation is going to be free, and it's really already helped out some listeners. It can help you out as well. well. Resume speaks for itself. Just give him a buzz, 312-933-8823, or you can email him to dmcclellan at formfin.com. Hey, buddy. Um, I want to finish this thing with something that I, I saw. I saw the news and I didn't put it together enough, but I know that you lost a friend. So I just want to say for me, and obviously, uh, I know all of our listeners will say the same thing that, um, we're sorry for you that Jason Reeves, who was an Anderson Trojan and also a Texas Longhorn, um, always seemed like a great guy. I never got to know him, but I was always proud of anyone that started and played at Texas that was from an Austin school. But uh, he passed away, and I believe his wife passed away. I didn't see any of the specifics. You don't need to get into any of that unless you want to, but uh, just sorry that you're dealing with this and that his family and friends are dealing with this right now. It's a tough time. Yeah, it is. Um, I was... I was kind of dreading talking about this. I know. But, but I'm also eager to talk about it because I do want people to know the kind of person Jason was. And I want everyone to know that the world got a little dimmer because of his passing. Um, he was a great guy. And I didn't have the honor of knowing his wife who preceded him um, by just a few days. And I had lost c- contact with Jason. I'm a, I'm a guy who kind of always is moving forward and I'm not always good at keeping up with all my old friends and my old classmates and my old teammates. And it's, it's something that I need to address because it made me realize I hadn't talked to a guy that was a really good friend of mine. And I hadn't talked to this guy in two decades and I heard of his passing and it brought back this rush and flood of memories. And as it relates to Jason, they were all so good. Um, so Jason, if you guys don't know who he was, he was just this great guy. He, um, I knew him all through high school. He was my teammate. We played football together. He was a star football player. He was a star basketball player. He was a great athlete. And 
a very good student and an even better citizen. Were you, were you all the same year, Paul? Same year. Yeah. Wow. We, we, I mean, in high school, we spent, I saw Jason Reeves every day. Hmm. I mean, we played football together. We were in the same classes. We had the same friends. We all hung out together. We would all be out in the parking lot talking nonsense and playing around. And Jason was this just almost graceful figure, even at that age, when you're 16 years old and you're awkward and you're silly and you're posturing as a young male, a young boy. Mm -hmm. And Jason was this mature, prepossessed, graceful guy who had this innate inner confidence and calm about him that was so noticeable, even at that age. And he was very quiet. He was very reserved. If you didn't know him, you didn't even know if he, the guy could talk. And, but if you did know him, he had a great sense of humor. He'd make these little asides, which, is, which were set up by his demeanor even more because he was always quiet. And then when he'd crack a little joke, it was even funnier. And he was a huge prankster. So he was the guy, if you're all sitting around in a group and you're animatedly talking and you're standing, you'd go to sit back down and your chair would be 10 feet away. Oh. And Jason, who's sitting right b- beside you, you know, as you fall to the ground, he'd, uh, he'd just look over at you like startled, like, oh, what happened to you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, and he was that guy. And so it, it was kind of funny because he was a guy that, like, didn't really curse. Uh, he didn't. He didn't act out. He didn't have the typical boys will be boys sorts of things that we all did at that age. And, it, but he was still one of the guys. Like, he, he never was trying to be better than you or lecture you. He, that's just who he was, and he led by example. And, you know, his nickname, we called him the Big Cat because he was so graceful and he was kind of quiet. And also we called him the Silent Assassin <laughs> because – he would go out and just do these incredibly athletic things. And if you tried to congratulate him, he'd get, he'd basically blush and, and like turn away. <laughs> and that was his character. That's just who he was. And at that age, that's an incredible thing. It, it I mean, re- really is. He sounded so ahead of his time. And there, there's a few people that are like that in your class where they're just real, they're a lot more mature, but they're, they also fit in. And that, that's a tough thing to do. He sounds like a, incredibly humble guy as well he was incredibly humble had no ego and he had every right to have an ego he was a good student he was an exceptional athlete I mean, he was a star basketball player um an incredible football player at the high school level even considering the level of development that we had which was not great <laughs> um so he played both ways and he was a tight end and also a linebacker and you know i played with him every year um i think halfway through jv maybe he got called up to varsity but uh, we always played on defense together and we were always, <clears throat> you know, lined up next to each other and we'd always chat and just, he was one of these sort of solid guys in your life that you so, almost took for granted. Yeah. And you, you know, you regret because you never tell the guy <clears throat> like what they meant to you at, at that age. It doesn't occur to you at that age. Right. Um, or even at this age, sadly, and, of course, he went to UT. When I went to UT, I was so excited that he was, he was going, was a starting linebacker at UT and had some iconic plays. Pitt. Uh, you mentioned that pick six against Pittsburgh, which I remember it went apeshit uh, <laughs> in 1995. Uh, he also, that same year, Texas had a bunch of injuries. James Brown went out with an injury, and they had to play Baylor for the Big 12 title. Richard Walton. And they were in Austin. 
and Richard Walton got the start. He was super inexperienced, and so they knew they had to run a conservative game plan, and with John Makovic, that was, that was going to be tough, right? right? And they put it on the defense, and Jason played one of his best games at the Longhorn. He was all over the place. He had like 10 tackles. I remember that. He just made big play after big play. And I remember seeing him right after the game and congratulating him. And in Jason fashion, he's like, thanks. And he shook my hand and I was talking to him and he just, he was like looking down and blushing when I was (laughs) praising him. And I was like, okay, I'll stop, you know? (laughs) And he was such a likable guy and just a good guy. And yeah, I would see him on campus and talk to him and catch up. He was roommates with Tony Brackens and he was just a, he's just a good dude. He majored in math at Texas. Wow. He's a football player and he majored in mathematics and that's just the guy he was. And, and the, the sad and tragic thing about it is of course he lost his wife. As I said, I didn't, I didn't have the pleasure of knowing her. Her name was Chris, but they left two kids behind. Oh man. And his daughter, his eldest daughter is a soccer player at Mizzou. And he has a son who's going to be a senior, senior quarterback at Pflugerville. And they're left behind. They don't have their parents anymore. So I, I'm just devastated for them. And as much as I feel the loss, and, and I'm someone who sadly lost touch with Jason and, and didn't keep our friendship fresh, I, I know their loss is utterly devastating. And so if any of you have the ability to reach out to those kids, to his children, and, and let them know the kind of man that Jason was, I hope you'll do so. And uh, there is a GoFundMe that's out there. It's Anderson Trojans for Jason Reeves, I think is the name. Uh, you can find it if you want to offer something. That's great. If you don't, that's, that's fine too. Um, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about Jason. He was a great Longhorn. He was a great teammate. He was a great friend. And, uh, you know, the world's a lesser place without Jason Reeves. It's well said. Uh, I'm sorry, brother. Uh, and obviously sorry for the Reeves family um all you know never got to meet him and now I I regret not trying to reach out and meet him and it's probably a good reminder for all of us I think that's one of the one of the reasons our friendship has survived so so long because because we we are the same guy that way and so not everyone in your life's gonna be that way. Jason pro- probably would have been, you know, I-, I don't know him, but there, you guys could have been the same guy that way as well. So sometimes you got to make sure you reach out and go out there and uh, just try and connect. I mean, that's easier said than done, but I think stuff like this, just hearing hearing you talk about it, uh, is a good reminder. But rest in peace, obviously, and if you can help out, I think that GoFundMe um, sounds like something that would be a really good cause. Yep, absolutely. All right, man. We're going to try and crank another one out next week. So, or I'm sorry, this week and later on. And we'll get into more of the eyes of Texas. There's a lot of stuff to hit right now. So it was great being back and we appreciate all the support. We'll talk to you all next week. Or I'm sorry, we'll talk absolutely. to you all. What are you thinking? Like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, around there. Just check it and we'll yeah, talk to you all. Let's keep them guessing. Kevin. Yeah, we'll keep you all guessing. All right. We'll talk to you all then. See you.